Listeners, you should know that uh, Matt just got back from a short vacation. There's post-it notes all over his office. (laughs) And the first words he said when he came in were, I've been attacked. (laughs) (laughs) It was personal and very serious affront to Matt and his sensibilities. I mean, it was definitely personal. There's no doubt about (laughs) about it being personal. You were targeted. I I guess that's true. Yeah. Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. We're back. Yeah! (laughs) Nailed it. Already so much smoother. (laughs) So much smoother. Exactly what we wanted. One take. This is the, I'm going to call this the one take era. We're now into a new era of the podcast where we just say this is what we want to do. And we do it once. One take, no editing. No editing needed. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> unfiltered. No raw. Raw, unfiltered energy. So we have a return guest in the third seat today, our friend Libby Backfish. Hi, thank you for having me. You may remember her from our, uh, old, as our Old Testament scholar. Did you do one episode or two? Just one. Just one? Okay. Yep. We're happy to have you back. Thanks. Highly popular. I yeah. love being here. It's yeah. Fun. Everyone needs to be convinced that they like the Old Testament. <laughs> That's why it's so popular. I think it's an easy sell. But. Help me. Well, you, so, you did a great job of it. I, I liked it a lot. I was thinking about this on, as I was driving over here. Libby, can you tell us one interesting or unusual thing about yourself? I feel like we need to start getting this from our guests because we want to be curious about our guests, not just oh. about their, their background or their knowledge or expertise, but about them. Sounds good. I don't know. I'm not that interesting of a person. Um, okay, I happen to know. Yeah. That is definitely <laughs> not <laughs> true. Um, I'm quirky, but let's see. Some of my hobbies might be interesting. So my family and I, we like to rock climb. Okay, when and... you say rock climb, tell people what you mean by rock climbing. Because do you mean like you go to like a little rock climbing gym? Well, we do that six, when it's rainy. But six, we ten foot wall. We do, we do easier stuff. But we do, um, yeah, we go outside and climb real rocks. And we get the kids in harnesses and... That's one of the things we like to do, and we like to ski. Oh, I'm going to back up to the rock climbing. Okay. <laughs> how how high how high are these rocks that you're climbing? Well, Dana will climb as high as the rope will go. My eight year old. And the, how long is the rope? The rope is uh, about sixty feet. So, and Dana Ooh. is how old? Just remind us. She just turned eight. So, Dana, eight year old Dana, is climbing potentially sixty feet mm-hmm. up up a up a rock face. Yeah, vertical, like it's nothing. She's wow. tough, tough as nails. Yeah, this was a softball because I knew there was this, there was this interesting <laughs> level to the backfish family that people would be curious about. Okay, so you said, so rock climbing, then you were going to listen to Oh, another quirky thing. So I, I married an amazing man. I wouldn't um, have taken his last name if he weren't amazing. And the last name is Backfish. <laughs> and the roots of this probably have to do with baking fish. It's a German word. But also oh. in oh. Germany, there's a slang for somebody who's a sissy. They call him a backfish, a bachfish. For sissy. Isn't that awful? Wow, <laughs> wow that is awful. <laughs> so I go to Germany, we'll be... Geez. So are you sure? So what, what's the national origin of the name? German. The actual, so it's German. Mm-hmm. And that's where they call people backfish? Mm-hmm. If they're calling them a sissy. So are you sure it was about baking fish and not some sort of We're like not bull- sure about bully playground insult? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a playground insult here, too. I mean, you just can't win with that name. Wow. Yeah. Did you have... What, was, what is your maiden name, if I can ask? Pruitt. Very Pruitt. normal British name. Yeah. Can't really make fun of it. When no. I ran for student council president, I said, vote for Pruitt. She can do it. Wow, that's you, you got nothing like that with Backfish. <laughs> <laughs> Dish. Dish. Yeah. Well, you've read Dr. Seuss. 
Wish. Wish. <laughs> yes. oh, wish, yeah, yeah. wish. Wish. Wish is a great one. Vote for backfish. One fish, red fish, two fish, fish blue. Oh, okay, so I have to back up to rock climbing for a second because I have a technical question about this. Because this is a sport that intrigues me a lot, but I don't have any, I'm not really very good at it. When you say 60 feet, does that mean, is it anchored somewhere at the top and then someone is like, is belaying a thing? Yeah, so there's two the ways bottom? of doing it. If the person on the bottom is belaying, then she would only be able to go half the um, amount of the rope okay. because that's anchored at the top. Okay. But if they're um, at the top and she's coming towards the person at the top, then you could use the full 60 feet. So you would do that with multi-pitch routes. And okay. She's never done more than one length of rope up at a time, but okay. we, that's next on the agenda. Do you go somewhere where there's established established climbing place or could you just go somewhere with a rope and just make it happen we go to established climbing places because the rock is cleaner there's not moss and spider webs and stuff generally right. it's just easier and there's bolts that we feel safer about okay. making an anchor cool yeah it's a whole other world it's interesting to me tune in for curious rock climbing podcast yeah <laughs> next <Nice>. week <laughs> did you want to do a segment first let's do it let's do a segment <laughs> Okay, so I Like It, of course, is a segment where we share, incredibly, things we like. My, my Like It this time is, you know, it's, we're recording this about the end of summer, and I've had a couple mm. of experiences, and I'm just coming off vacation. Uh, this is my first day back as we record. And summer is associated with many things, but one thing that I want to say that I like is water slides. I think oh. we, we don't... You know, there's an interesting association of water slides. As I was thinking about this with like public pools or water parks, and they get a bit of a bad rap, I think, because of that. Because as you kind of age out of those nat those spaces, you then kind of you get lump it all together. But really, water slides in themselves are awesome. They're slides, <laughs> so that's that's with some kind of liquid. That's pretty great. The but they go so much faster because yeah. there's water involved. Yep. And then, of course, you're ending in a pool, which I did have an experience. So at the the lake, I was at like a lakeside community town called very originally Lakeside in Ohio okay. uh, this past weekend. And they had a pool and they had a couple of water slides, which were just not huge. They were like, I'd say medium size for water slide. It wasn't, you know, like just a, um, a simple slide into the pool. It had a little, some curves and there was one that was enclosed and one that was open. Uh and of course, the danger of water slides is like the water going up your nose, right? And like and the you, wedgie, you that's feel a danger. It. Well, that's yeah. that, that too, or the losing of the trunks altogether. Wow, there are several hazards. <laughs> okay, I've never had that experience. So uh, well, and it I'm feels glad like you, you keep your swimsuit tied. I mean, nice part of tight. yeah, part of I'm curious. I guess probably someone going head first runs that risk. Yeah, I think that's because that's really the opposite risk of the wedgie. That's like, depending on which direction <laughs> yeah. you're going down, you're facing different, different possible scenarios. I think we should rewrite the SAT, SAT test to be wedgie <laughs> is to losing <laughs> swimsuit as... Up is to down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Yeah, that's, that will confuse a lot of people, but okay. the ones who get it will really get it. Uh, but anyway, my only negative experience was that the water would just come rushing up my nose and it feels like it hits your frontal lobe. Do you seem kind of like a guy who would wear a nose plug to a water park. Or hold his wow, nose. Wow, that feels... I'm usually not <laughs> insulted. <you> <laughs> but that feels really insulting. 
<laughs> but you have such a view of me that you think I would be nose plug guy. Well, not just nose plugs, around. but goggles too, earplugs, maybe like a bathing swim cap thing. <laughs> No, wow no you are wrong i'm just trying so sorry. to fit in with the cool kids but <laughs> so anyway i had a great experience of the water slides other than the water rushing up your nose i also rachel and i went to Sunsplash, which is a water park in our area just the two of us that was a little weird we went for night slides it was us and basically a bunch of high schoolers yeah. but we also <laughs> had a great time there was one slide there this is my one shout out um it was called the master blaster and you Good got man. on a two-person tube, and it, it went down and up. It shot you up like a oh. roller coaster. Oh, Sweet. That was really cool. So I'm all about the water slide. I like water slides. That's I don't like to think about the, the content of the water that I'm experiencing in a water all slide. All the germs. Yeah, all too. of that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. all just kind of recycled. Urine percentages, all of that is very concerning. Oh. But the water slide itself <laughs> is going to stand oh, out really as I like are it. the worst. <laughs> Water slides. I like them anyway. <laughs> Nose plug and all. <laughs> all right, Libby. What's yours? Okay, I like so many things, but I like waking up with the windows open and the fresh air coming in and cuddling someone, like a spouse or an animal or a kid or anyone, really. Oh. And not, not having a, not to a stranger. rush. Not a stranger. Not a stranger. Because <laughs> okay. you said anyone, really. Yes, so anyone, you, anyone you love. <laughs> okay. That's a, maybe an important piece here. Yeah, someone who already lives in the house or <laughs> something like that. It makes sense. So it's cool. You have a little bit of crisp. Is there a blanket yeah. involved? It depends on the weather, but usually I love California because it gets cool enough at night that you actually need a blanket by the time nope, you wake up, right. even on the hot summer night. So I like that. Nice. That's a good Hearing one. the birds. Yeah. It's all good stuff. Are you able to do this most mornings, or is this a weekend event? I have to wake up really early Tuesdays and Thursdays, but I was able to wake up and enjoy it for about five minutes today. Nice. Yet my five-year-old was laying on my back. It was adorable. Yeah. Nice. Good one. And that harkens back to my, I had an I Like It way early in the early days of Curious Church podcasts, where uh, I was talking about Whole House fans. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Oh. So it's kind of like the same idea where mm-hmm. it gets cool at night, and then you have the windows open. You don't remember this? Yeah, no, oh, I, I do went now. Crazy for I do this, now. Matt. I, I thought surprised. you were tying it into the napping thing, less the oh, less sorry, the no, I'm off the napping. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Oh, yeah, pulling Fresh in air the cold. In the I do remember yeah, this. Nice. Yeah, they're so great. My goal usually in the summer is to cool down the house so much at night that I don't need the, any AC during the day. Mm-hmm. So, what's your threshold? Do you it's like a hundred, like hundred and five? Oh, when do you have to turn that AC? If the house gets to eighty, okay. the inside temperature. Inside temperature, yeah. Then I'll turn it on. I'm the same. Yeah, wow, we have the same temperature. That's impressive. Yeah. Now, my wife's temperature is a little lower than that. <laughs> but... Much lower. Aaron, this is quickly becoming a beef. Okay. <laughs> this isn't even your I like it, and no. somehow you're managing <laughs> to turn it into a beef. Beefing about it. Uh, yeah, she's probably, I'd say, she goes more by feel. I go more by the number mm. on the thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't want to be fooled into thinking it's a temperature that it's not. I can trust the, the numbers. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, but my I like it is um, that I was also away for this uh, weekend just for a couple nights with my son who just turned eight this summer. And we went backpacking for, well, his first time ever. And wow. uh, it was just the two of us. And it was great. I, we had a great, uh, great time getting to know each other a little bit better. Uh, it was first kind of like extended time, uh, just the two of us that we had. So that was really fun. So when you say getting to know, like what do you feel like 
I mean, you don't have to share specifics, but what yeah. do you feel like you learned about each other? It's just a whole different dynamic when there's not a whole, you know, his sister's not around and his mom's not around. And, um, so we had, we had a great time chatting about different stuff and, um, so it's, it's a, even with the only, we only have two kids and that's all we'll ever have. Um, mark my word. <laughs> <laughs> but even, even then, like sometimes with the busyness of school and even summer and stuff, mm -hmm. we just kind of get lost in all the, that stuff. So just to spend some time together, he had his Kindle, so he's reading and we're hanging out or oh, yeah. he's helping me get the tent set up or whatever. Um, yeah, it was really fun. We had a great time. Will you do it again? Yeah, for sure. Nice. Yeah. And he would too. I asked him. I made a point to make sure that I didn't <laughs> put him off of it forever. Yeah. Uh, we got thrown off a little bit. There was a new wildfire that was starting not too far away. So the second oh, wow. night, instead of spending the night there, we bailed, got off the mountain. But That's a little excitement. It was a little, added a little excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's, is that, was that kind of a ending summer? I mean, I guess yeah. he, they, they're already back in school. Yeah. Right? Kind of a last but hurrah thing. Last hurrah thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good. That's my, I like it. Wow, you two both brought really meaningful, rich, relational. <laughs> I like it. You're just sitting there wearing your nose Here plugs. I am. <laughs> Partying hard with the teens and my nose plugs at Sunsplash. <laughs> Master Blaster! <laughs> Matt and I were talking about how there are different degrees of transition, too, a little bit. So there's transition seasonally from summer into, or from, yes, from summer into fall. And especially if you have kids or if your work is kind of on an academic calendar kind of schedule, like things, things change a lot as the seasons change. Yeah, predictable um, transitions. Yeah, predictable oh, transition. That is a good way to Perennial. put it. Perennial. So, so Libby, you work in an academic profession. Mm -hmm. So how does, and you also have young kids. Mm -hmm. So you have lots of things kind of changing this time of year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. how, how, is your, how are your summer days different than your Oh, they're September really different. Days? I still work in the summer, but I'm more flexible. So I'm with the kids more and I try to do more research oriented work than uh, lesson preparation right. and design. And I just love those seasons of change. And I like where it's busy near the end of the semester and when you're grading and then it relaxes a little bit. I just, mm -hmm. for me, my body... I just, that resonates with me yes. to have those seasons of change. And I know some people like things to be more steady, but um, I think yeah. it works for me. And my kids love it too, because by the time they have two months of summer, they're ready to get back into school and structure. And yeah. by the time they get sick of school, they're ready for a break. We all sort of need that rhythm in life, I think. Yeah. I think it's, we don't think a lot about it, um, but I really appreciate, yeah, sort of the, uh, some busyness time or some, maybe your work shifts to this thing for a while, then maybe it shifts to this thing, or maybe it slows down, maybe it speeds up. What do you think, yes. Matt? What's happening in your yes. life right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah, transit, I mean, one of the reasons we thought it might be good to talk about transitions, obviously there are, there are podcast transitions. Uh, people listening will already have recognized this, unless it's your first episode, in which case, welcome to welcome the one-take era, the, first the best era. <laughs> You don't even need podcast. to go back and listen to those <laughs> you old ones. You're listen. not missing out on the anything. Previous 31 episodes. We will catch you up. You're good worry. right where you are. Uh, <laughs> Except Libby's. You can listen to Yeah, listen, listen to Libby's previous episode. Episode 22. And that, but that's <laughs> it. Really? Yeah, it is. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I think part of it is transitions are just always there, and we're always having different kind of, like you say, degrees of transitions. I think one of the things I'm more interested in, because there are kind of rhythms 
that you have with these sort of perennial transitions, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're expecting them, like, you know, a semester is coming to an end and you're going to have a break. But then there are the transitions that weren't, weren't planned or are more substantial, like a really significant change. And those, those can come completely unexpectedly, right? So like loss of a loved one can be a kind of transition. Suddenly you have mm -hmm. to, and especially when that's unexpected, you have to recalibrate your whole, what does it mean to be family in this new dynamic? What does it mm -hmm. mean to not have this person in my life anymore? All those kinds of things. Like, so on a spectrum, very intense transitions, the things that are uh, even just moving, uh, like for Rachel and I, moving an apartment is maybe a um, a less impactful transition in some sense than or less extreme, but also can be just as well. It certainly can be just as overwhelming and just as significant. So there's all these different transitions that are more kind of one time pieces. And I, part of me wonders, what, what can we learn from maybe some of the joy of our regular transitions? Because I think most of us would say we don't want things to always be the same, always, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like we like some degree of, even people who hate change, like some degree of variance, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I just said like, we're going to put you in an office for 24 hours a day and we'll put <laughs> like three meals through a slot for you. Like, I mean, people... <laughs> People would that's, a start saying it sounds, sounds like, like prison, prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, so obviously we like some change. We like natural variance. But what can we learn from those seasons of of natural variance that we kind of enjoy that we can then apply to either unexpected transitions or kind of more significant one time transitions that help us really transition well. Hmm. I was thinking about transitions. You're talking about in different degrees, and I was thinking about transitions that are thrust upon us, like the loss of a loved one, things mm -hmm. that we can't help, and transitions that we actively pursue, like moving to a, an apartment or okay, yeah. going for a job promotion. Mm -hmm. And I think you can have good and bad in both of those. Um, but I'm wondering if those perennial transitions can help us kind of with the more difficult ones, because we can look back at those perennial ones and see that God has done good things through those changes and maybe give us some hope and some strength to lean into the harder changes mm. with more intentionality. I know that's easier to say than to live through when it's actually a hard change, but yeah. that might be a starting point. No, as well as, I mean, you know, when you're saying that, I'm sure this is resonating in your, in your mind as you say it, but that's so much, so much of the Old Testament theme is remember Mm -hmm. remember God's faithfulness, right? Yeah. And so then you have, in fact, you have festivals that help you throughout your whole year, mm -hmm. right? Remember God's faithfulness. And the Psalms are always pointing back at things God has done and, you know, yeah. remember the one who you trust in. Yeah. In order that, then in those seasons of hardship or... So that they can transition well. And so I think about Israel transitioning from being slaves in Egypt mm. to being redeemed from that, and they did not transition well, even though that was, that was, a, great, that was a great transition. You guys are being saved. And, like, they're yeah. grumbling, and they're, like, saying, yeah. actually, we want to still be slaves. <laughs> Yeah. Right. You know, so sometimes a good things. transition we handle poorly, but those festivals and the reminder of who God is as their deliverer when they were sent into exile, which is a bad transition in terms of that was their judgment, they actually handled that pretty well because there was a righteous remnant who was able to use that to be refined and more faithful. Hmm. So, can we can we camp out in that Israel Exodus example yeah, a little yeah. bit? Because what like what what's their deal? That's essentially my question. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
<laughs> like surely you have students ask you this sometimes because it's like like you're saying this is by by all accounts we would say a good transition like you were slaves now you get to like walk through a sea and you're free mm-hmm. and then and then you decide I'd, ra- I'd rather really i'd rather be in the office cubicle having three meals a day slid through a through a slot yeah. Like what? What's going? What do you think is going on there? I think two things. One, you're, you get so used to what you've been doing. You get so used to those meals, which were better than the meals they were having in the desert. Mm-hmm. You get so used to the rhythm of things that it's hard to even accept something better. But then also, although their freedom was better, and although they were headed towards the promised land, which was better, they had a lot of uncertainty there. I mean, mm-hmm. they would go a long time without water or without food. Um, and so I think realistically, we might grumble too. It's when someone becomes a Christian or starts taking their faith seriously and they start going to church and they think, well, wait, what, what's this tithing thing? Oh, I think I want back. <laughs> what's this? Oh, I have to do that or I have to give up this. And so I think we as Christians through our sanctification process, if we're not transitioning well, we could um, grumble and kind of miss the life we had before. Hmm. That word uncertainty, I think, really is a good word for what marks transition and what makes it hard, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really like one of those critical differences between the perennial transitions and the tr- tr- transitions that either we choose or that are thrust upon us. Mm-hmm. Because in there's almost always some degree of uncertainty when it's not a regular transition. Mm-hmm. So when you're going from summer to fall, uh, it's a huge transition if it's your child's first time in kindergarten. Because there's all kinds of uncertainty. Yeah. But over time, that uncertainty is lessened and it just becomes part of your rhythm. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's a helpful word to have in mind because it is so much the thing that causes anxiety in these seasons of transition, right? Mm-hmm. I think you guys had on something interesting earlier too, which is how important it is to just kind of be keep reminding yourself of God's faithfulness because there's so much scary, unknown stuff in all of our future but if you, when you take a second to look back, you're like, oh, I was guided really well through this. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. this hurt like a lot and it seemed like the pain would never end, but it's less now. Or it's, you know, healing has really um, taken foot. So uh, I thought that was, I thought that's really cool to, I don't think we spend a lot of time when we're, when we're sort of uncertain about the future to have perspective about it by looking backwards. Mm-hmm. I like the school example, because when a fourth grader enters fifth grade, there are a lot of new things. New teacher, maybe all Mm -hmm. the students are new, the curriculum's new, but it's not nearly as big of a deal because they can look back at their transitions to fourth and third and second and first and... And like when I think about a yeah. when I think about a child at that age, like what's one of the most important things? One of the most important things is often, oh, are your Fruit friends snacks. in your class? Oh, mm-hmm. right. Not, yeah, not fruit snacks. Fruit, well, also fruit <laughs> snacks. Will I have fruit snacks? Will my father be faithful to me and pack fruit snacks? <laughs> always put fruit snacks in my but lunch. But also, before. it's like, are your friends in your class? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can have all the uncertainty of like a new teacher, new curriculum, all these things. But mm-hmm. if you know. Like that you have a friend or two in your class who will be with you. There is often when I when I talk to kids who are having that experience, there's a lot of there's a lot of anxiety that that just helps cover. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about this element of faithfulness, the you know, I hadn't thought about this until right now, but the relationality of transition. We yeah. often think of transitions really individually. Mm-hmm. All right. Like it's just something like you go through and even 
you know, if it's like a, a, a family transition or something, we think of how is it impacting each person, mm-hmm. right? But really so much of how we transition is done in community mm-hmm. and with other people and the way I'm transitioning impacts others and the way their transitioning impacts me, right? Yeah, and I think the more we acknowledge that community, the better those transitions are. Like I think about the way we sent Sam off. We had a great celebration, celebrating who he is and what he means to us, and that gave him closure, that gave us closure, and it was all done in community, and that, I think, helped the transition be yeah. really positive. Hmm. That's cool. I think I think what both of you guys are saying is this: any kind of cha- uh, change or transition, one thing we can maybe take away from this conversation is like have somebody's hand to hold as this is happening. So like as when Sam left, we all, the church, a lot of us, we just had each other. Or if um, like, yeah, if you're, if you're going up a grade, maybe if you, if you have that friend from last year who's going with you, you can kind of take their hand and like, let's, cause it's new for them too. So let's mm-hmm. do this. Let's do this together. I think that's really cool. I was thinking about a change that's kind of happening in my life. It's again, related to kids, I've I've mentioned this, alluded to it at a staff meeting a little while ago, but like, so my youngest just entered first grade. So she's on kind of a full school schedule, which is the Mm. first time uh, in eight years, my oldest is eight, that I haven't been, like they haven't needed me around all day during the week. Mm. So there's this whole new thing of eight years ago when my first kid was born, I'm like, oh, this is my life like forever <laughs> it felt like it's just diapers and sleepless nights and yeah and of course that all changes over time and now like a big sort of seasonal like an eight-year seasonal change for me is well now these kids are off to school i find myself wanting to make the best use of the time that i have available there's also a little bit of you know 41 year old midlife stuff sprinkled in like mm. you know like my time on this earth is starting to get limited so how do i do how do i just do this like as well as i can uh, so just to, just to kind of share like, and so to have somebody go through this with me, I would say probably my wife is helping me kind of like, how do I, cause my kids are gone. They're at school, but yeah, the two of us can kind of figure this out together. So right. uh, I think that's good. I think that's a good observation. As I think about that, that's a helpful example, I think, because it marks, you know, there's two elements to transition and often I think part of our problem is we get stuck looking only in one direction right so there's transition always involves like some degree of loss Um, and sometimes that loss is like a good thing like in the case of Israel like it is good to not be in slavery anymore right (laughs) but there's other losses associated with that there's like the loss of certainty those the loss of obviously food and kind of knowing where that's coming from there were losses Mm -hmm. And then there's like looking forward, right? Which often has uncertainty. Often it, sometimes at least, it has some degree, some layer of hope. And I think the the best way to transition is to hold those two together. Like sometimes I think we try to transition and we try to skip like looking backwards and just look forward. Mm. And you know these people because these are the people who I think just go like from thing to thing to thing and they bounce around and basically they're, their life is just one series of transitions mm-hmm. without like, r- with, and there's a f- lack of rootedness to mm-hmm. these kinds of people, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are the people who only ever look back and you feel like they never, they never are moving towards anything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the, per- like, I mean, the, the sad example is the person who is always mourning someone who's lo- who they've lost 
and is never able to come to a place where they say, I'm so grateful for the time I had with them mm-hmm. and for the person I can be because of my rela- like relationship I had with them, like mm-hmm. moving forward. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we either get stuck in the past or we get stuck in the future. And it seems like a good transition is the kind of transition that can. So thinking about your example, Aaron, the kind of transition you can say, I'm so grateful for these eight years mm-hmm. that I had and these things shaped me in these ways. And now it's time to say goodbye to that season. Like the person I was and the, the things I was able to do, the things I was called to do in that season are now changing. I'm grateful for what they were. I'm probably going to mourn some of what those were. Like there's some sadness with like my kids don't need me for as many hours in the day anymore. Like there's some gen and allowing that to be genuine sadness. And then, okay, what does that then mean for me moving forward? You can get trapped. It's so easy. I think, and partly I'm speaking for myself. It's so easy to get trapped in. Okay. Either like I want to just move on and not look back or I just want to look back. I think this is really Mm -hmm. common in jobs too. When people change jobs, Mm -hmm. right? Especially if they move to a place at the end of their, uh, like their work cycle or end of a position and they're frustrated and that's why they're moving, right? They, it's very easy to just say, I just want to leave and get to the next place. Right. Put in my two weeks and get out of there rather than what does it look like to finish well? What does it look like to be grateful for the good things about this work that I've done, the way this work has formed me? And now, now I can be excited properly in context for what's coming. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a long monologue about transitions. That was but. really helpful. The looking back and looking forward, I think, is, is how think, we transition. Well. I think you should keep doing the podcast just based <laughs> on that. <laughs> <laughs> that was really beautiful. Yeah, and it seems like sometimes just looking ahead makes you feel like you're transitioning better. Because you're not looking behind, but I'm convicted. I think that looking behind is important right. to look ahead well and to transition well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you just read reminded me of um, Ruth, and Ruth was widowed, and her uh, mother-in-law Naomi was widowed, and I mean that's a bad transition, right? Mm. And I think that's a good example of someone who took something bad and, like Degrote was saying discovered what does God have for me here because she leaned into that transition with faithfulness and with peace and grace whereas Naomi is complaining she's bitter she's saying call me bitter huh. and um, <clears throat> and Ruth is really being faithful and leaning into that new life and she didn't have to she could have stayed in Moab but she leaned into this transition and you know ultimately came David's great-grandma and redeemed Naomi through her child and just such a convicting story of someone who transitioned through hard time well. <laughs> are we are we recording now? Oh. <laughs> All right. So one thing I've been reflecting on is um, what makes some transitions good for some people and, and harder for others. So you, Aaron, just talked about transitioning from being with your kids more to being with them less is a hard transition for you and for me. Having kids was a hard transition. We didn't plan on the timing, and I didn't plan on how much of myself I'd be giving up. And um, so I went from, and I've always been a very independent person. So for me, even having that blessing of kids, having to give up some of my independence uh, made that transition hard, even though it's typically the best transition of your life, right? Having right. children such a blessing. But Right. When, so when you look back on that, how, 
how how do you how do you feel? Yeah, like, I feel you? like it was a um, it was a failure. You know, it was one of my failures. I wasn't horrible person, but I look back at that and try to think, what could I have done better? And in my next transition, how am I going to learn from that and transition more faithfully? It makes me it makes me kind of think that every sort of major life change has some kind of cost attached to it and I don't think we think very often about what what we're giving up when something new is coming up the road. I mean especially if it seems like an like an opportunity, like something new um this seems like this is going to be great but you never know what <laughs> what you're going to lose and and if you if you're having kids that you're that sort of you weren't ready for them or it was unexpected and then uh, now you you're learning that oh what I'm going to lose is a part of myself or a part of my identity or a part of uh, what I wanted to sort of do with my life. Well, now I feel kind of sad. One of <laughs> <laughs> and we all laugh. We're talking about kids way too much in this uh, episode. Aren't we? Well, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, most Matt, of, a hope, lot of our listeners can relate. We hope you can relate. Everyone was a kid. For me, what's interesting, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that. true. What's interesting, so I don't have kids, but one day, hope to have children. And even as I just hypothetically look towards that day, there's a real challenge of even imagining, sort of ha to have the imaginative framework of what that kind of transition puts you through, right? So you talk about, like, in retrospect, like there's these elements of identity that you maybe wish you had worked out or clarified or mm. weren't fighting against in a right. number of mm -hmm. ways. I like on the other side of this, right. Having not gone through that transition, I'm like, I don't, I'm not even sure what that transition will bring up for me. Right. Like yeah. there's a sense in which sometimes when it comes to transitions, like the kind of formation work, in other words, mm -hmm. that helps us transition. Well, is really hard to do because Transitions will tend to, I think what you said really was right on, they'll tend to like prick us right in our identity weak points, mm -hmm. right? Because they're often, well, I mean, there's just some practical things. Transitions are often when we're most tired. Mm -hmm. Like there's a physical element to transitions often. Like you're, you're like, they often are just fatiguing in a sense. And so always when you're at your most tired is, at least speaking from experience, when I'm at my most tired, that's when like I'm at my, my worst. Mm -hmm. frankly mm -hmm. um and so like all my selfishness tends to come out and all these things and so then like these transitions bring out these parts and so then when i'm looking ahead i'm like okay listening to you libby it's like okay what would i what would i need to do to to be able to make that kind of a transition a no kids to kids transition well and some of it is just the imaginative framework to have mm -hmm. towards a transition it's just really really hard mm-hmm yeah, and I like how you picked up that it's an imaginative framework because it might be something totally different for you and Rachel that you'll right. wrestle through. Mm -hmm. But to have that imaginative framework and to anticipate it, a friend told me the best way to prepare for, preparing for having kids is like preparing for a car wreck. Like you can kind of read about it and think about it, but you can't. And he was talking about the logistics, but I think emotionally yeah. you can't prepare for how am I going to transition well through this, that, or the other, but you can have that imaginative framework and that prayerful attitude and anticipation that might help you transition better. Was his idea just kind of brace yourself? <laughs> yeah. Your car wreck yeah. <laughs> analogy? Well, and, and every, every situation will be different. Every kid will be different. Yeah, and yeah. you can't, there's no good rule book on how to do it well. 
you had mentioned this earlier, Matt, how the transitions in the liturgical calendar, mm. how do those form us? And how might those yearly transitions help prepare us for that greater transition in sanctification and ultimately glorification? Ooh, Aaron, what do you think? She was talking to you, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> True, but I know anybody. you think a lot about he, the He posed the original question. <laughs> That's a great question. I did want to enter, I, maybe this will um, spawn something too, Not because, but I want to go back to what Libby said, but I was thinking about how I kind of wish there was a, a church calendar transition sort of at the same time as a, like in the fall. Mm. Some, there's something about it, like, because ordinary time just kind of coasts through all this. And yeah. would be like, oh, I wonder what that would be mm. like. Anyway, just a we weird. need a church transition, like liturgical transition to oh, help bolster right. the rest of our transition <laughs> and support us. Maybe yeah. Not. Maybe we need the continuity <laughs> of ordinary time. I don't know what we need. But it, was, it seemed like an interesting idea. Like, what would, how could that happen? Anyway, but I'd rather go back to your question. It's more interesting. The, the are you going to an, answer it? Well, this podcast is all about answers. <laughs> so uh, I'm ready to give you one. Everybody, everybody listening? <laughs> get, okay, get your notepads out. Have your pen at the ready. This is going to be on the test. Well, part of it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, right? So for the Christian, um, you know, we kind of framed the conversation by talking about these perennial transitions. And we kind of talked in terms of maybe a school year and an academic year. But for the Christian, like our perennial transitions are the seasons mm -hmm. of the church calendar. Those are the ones that teach us what it means to transition. And um, one of the things, one of the ways those form us is just by, by experiencing that transition. And they're perennial to us, but they weren't perennial to God's people. You know, the, the referent of them wasn't perennial. They were one-time events that we're looking back on. The incarnation, oh, sure. Christ's resurrection, these are... And so I think this is an interesting point at which something, a transition that's perennial for us is making us reflect on and experience something that's not perennial, something that was shocking, mm. God coming into history in salvific ways. And so, you know, even though it's perennial and pretty easy for us to live into those transitions, it forces us to maybe better understand and appreciate the gravity of those one-time events and the impact they still have on us. I was just watching this um, video of these divers who discovered a. There's an, this is an interesting shipwreck that happened off the coast of Lebanon, maybe. And there was actually a British fleet, and they were doing this. This is in the late 1800s, I think. So it was a really old wreck. But anyway, so these this this these maneuvers backfired. It's the HMS. Oh. Insert name here. Insert name here. <laughs> but if you if you care enough to Google it, it's one of the only shipwrecks that landed totally vertically. So the oh, bow, right. the front of the ship, okay. is like they think about a quarter of it is buried into the seabed floor. So the if the propellers are, it's like standing upright if you can picture that. So anyway, when they're and it's it sank like a hundred years ago, but they just found it uh, maybe five or six years ago. So, and they, what the, these divers do is they think they know it kind of where it is, but then they leave a, a line down so that the divers aren't like in the middle of nowhere. So from the boat to however oh, yeah. far down, so they can always find their way back. So that, that image of connectedness, that's a really long way to go to come back to your idea of that's connectedness. To have, 
but to have like some sort of thread yeah that's kind of taking you from this part of your life to the next part of your life yeah um some set of kind of consistent thread and often that is god's faithfulness and sometimes it's yeah. the support of a, a person or yeah which is a manifestation community. of his faithfulness right so, that's totally yeah. true Matt, that was pretty good, but when I edit this, I'm probably going to cut after Libby's thing because it was even better. <laughs> wow. Ouch. Nose plugs? <laughs> Thoughts getting cut. <laughs> I see. It's a new era. It's a new era. Don't worry, I'll cut all I'm my guessing. stuff, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we let you edit. We let you uh, make those decisions. Powerful those decisions. decisions. But this was... Uh, Good. I mean, one of the beauties of these conversations, right, is that it's not like we, we did not have, well, for the listener at home, we did not have two or three things written down that we necessarily <laughs> wanted to communicate in any sense and, uh, or where we thought we would end up. But that's what kind of being curious is all about, finding conversations, finding common threads. Mm. And, I mean, uh, allowing the conversation to go where it will and allow God to lead us in the ways that are helpful. Yeah. Should we say goodbye? We should say goodbye. How do we say goodbye now? Uh, I think do you want we a new way to it. say goodbye? Oh. Hmm. Because it is a transition. So we can look back. Yeah. We can say the way we've always said goodbye is fine. Uh-huh. But maybe there's an even better way. <laughs> uh, you could say shalom, y'all. <laughs> shalom, y'all. <laughs> you can't beat that. <laughs> uh, I think we have to stick with our line for now because it is pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah. What is your line? It's clearly very memorable. Well, until next time, I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. And I'm Libby. Thanks for being curious with us. I like that. That is a good line. <laughs> <laughs>